Early win projections for 2023 are out. Not so great for the Cardinals. You are locked on Cardinals. Your daily Arizona Cardinals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Cardinals, Alex Clancy here Wednesday. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. Please go to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, turn notifications on, leave a comment. Love interacting, whether I agree, disagree, whether you agree or disagree with me. DM me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Uh, you know, I just want to build this family more and more every day. And thank you for being a part of it. Win projections early are out for the Cardinals. Early win projections. If it were six, that would be a higher number than what it is. Seeing it is around five. Between five and six. And there's a lot of things that are predicated upon the Cardinals win loss, you know, percentage, the outcome of 2023, namely Kyler Murray's health and how many games he plays. And if DeAndre Hopkins is on the team and just the growth and the draft and things like that. Owners meetings out here in Scottsdale last, you know, few days ongoing. Jonathan Gannon spoke to reporters yesterday. Didn't say a whole lot regarding, you know, just this masterful thought processes for the future. It was coach speak, but it was elevated coach speak from what we've experienced the last four seasons. I'll talk about that in a second. And then kind of just coming back around to the trade down potential for the Cardinals at three stick and pick trade down trade down far. It'll be discussed in the third segment. The win projections are interesting because, I mean, we are a long ways away from week one, which gives Kyler Murray a long time to recover and rehab, physical therapy, and get ready for game, you know, game speed. The cardinal strength of schedule, it's brutal this year. So let me just run this down real quick, and I'm going to go. I love doing schedule. I love doing predictions. I love that stuff. There's so much time for it. But the Cardinals home and away. Okay, and I know that it's going to be redundant with the NFC West teams, but it's Rams. So home is Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Giants, Ravens, Bengals, and Falcons. So it's NFC East and AFC North. On the road, Browns, Rams, Eagles, 49ers, Seahawks, Commanders, Steelers, Bears, and Texans. Yikes. And I say yikes, not just because that is a much more difficult schedule than what the Cardinals witnessed last season and the year before, but what do those teams have that a lot of teams haven't had the Cardinals have played in the last couple seasons? Browns, Eagles, Commanders, Steelers, Bears. Five out of the nine road games, cold weather. Five out of the nine. So this isn't like yeah, like the Bears two years ago. It was like a game after their bye week that was in cold weather. Okay. Cleveland, when they played there a couple of years ago, it wasn't that cold. 
all of, all of this, you know, definitely is again predicated upon where these games fit in the schedule. But over 50% of those games on the road are in cold weather cities. And the Cardinals are gonna be playing road games in cold weather time on the you know in the Midwest and in, on the East Coast. So it's gonna be something that is just another element that the Cardinals are gonna have to deal with, they don't normally have to deal with in the friendly confines of State Farm Stadium. Six, five, six wins. This could skyrocket up if Kyler Murray plays starting week four, or it could not. But if Kyler Murray misses eight games, it would be like the biggest, you know, sucker thought to think that the Cardinals would win six games. And I'm putting this, I'm talking about this very lightly this early in the offseason because it's still, it's still, I mean, we're eons away from meaningful time. But I'm putting it in as kind of like the personification of where the Arizona Cardinals are as an organization and where people think they rank across the rest of the NFL teams. I believe this win projection was tied for the lowest. So when you look at the roster and you look at Kyler Murray Hurt, you look at DeAndre Hopkins, probably not going to be an Arizona Cardinal for much longer. You look at them making zero moves of impact this offseason, aside from maybe signing Kazir White, formerly the Philadelphia Eagles. Still having Hollywood Brown, Rondo Moore, Greg Dorch was a signing on a one year, I believe. Uh, and then they have just a bevy of picks in the draft. This number could make either side, those who think that they're going to win less and those who think they're going to win more, one side is going to look incredibly silly. I don't think that it's going to be one or the other. It's either going to be a much better year than people think or potentially even a worse year than people think it could be right now. Six wins, five wins or six wins. Cardinals won less than that in 2019. Or 2018, sorry. So, like, we've seen bad. They won less than that in 2019. I think they won five games in 2019. But the number, you know, the win projection, whether it be five or six, it's just the personification, the microcosm of the uncertainty that's surrounding the Arizona Cardinals. Definitely can't say they're going to win more than that. But you can't really say they're going to win less because of where Kyler Murray is or isn't as it pertains to the first season within the entire season, the first four weeks. Is he going to be there? Is he really not? Is DeAndre Hopkins going to be here or, will he, or won't he? What is the draft going to look like? Are they going to trade back and load up picks in 2024? Are they going to draft Will Anderson and have the defense with a little bit of a facelift from what we've seen? There are question marks surrounding every professional sports team, high school team, there are question marks around it, you know, but with where the Cardinals find themselves right now, it is so much more pungent and potent with more questions than answers. And that win projection with this early really signifies that. And this team goes as Kyler Murray goes until it doesn't go when Kyler Murray not here. I will not have that conversation yet. I will not have that conversation probably until the end of this season. 
of whether Kyler Murray is the guy or not. But the reason why that number, the win projection, you know, number at five or six, some people are saying it's because of how much uncertainty is surrounding this team. Because listen, before I pivot over to some Jonathan Gannon, is some JG isms. I can't do JG. I can't do it. I will be your home for never calling the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals JG. I won't do it. I won't. If I told you that DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, and Greg Dorch with James Conner in an improved offensive line, You're telling me they couldn't win three games if Kyler Murray came back in week five, that they couldn't win three or four games offensively alone with that firepower. Like this is the thing that's difficult to kind of wrap my head around is how close the Cardinals look offensively and how massively far away they look defensively. It's like, do you want to give up the potential for this offense to really pop and just completely start over. Seems like they're on the precipice of doing that with moving DeAndre Hopkins, even though it's not going so well. Just interesting to think about. It's so close. It's so close to being a good offense, and it's so close to being an offense that could win five games with a bad defense and just outscore opposing teams in the 30s. It would just be a mess. I'm going to be a wreck when they trade DeAndre Hopkins. I will be. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals with the alfalfa front cowlick. Uh, Locked On Cardinals, your team every day. Please go like, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Yeah, I'm just here, man. Here to entertain you, inform you, hopefully make you think and think a little bit outside the box aside from just regurgitating what other people say. I, I just don't, I don't like to do that. I don't, for better or worse. Jonathan Gannon speaks. What did he say? This episode of Locked on Cardinals is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel, 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 FanDuel. Tournament's heating up, Final Four. There's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Did you hear me right? That means... That $1,000 back in bonus bets are yours if your first bet doesn't win. Up to $1,000, I just say. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Then you can wager on everything from the money line to point spreads to which team will be cutting down the net, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So don't miss your shot at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. The win projections are, you know, it's super early. And it's like on just case in point on FanDuel. The division odds to win the NFC West in 2023. San Francisco, minus 170. Seattle Seahawks, plus 300. Rams, plus 500. Cardinals, plus 2,400. 
I mean, that, that's pretty much all you need to see. You know, there's just so much uncertainty. It'd be like, so, I mean, there, before I pivot over to what Jonathan Gannon talked about, just kind of paraphrasingly and, and reacting to it. Little introspection here. I wonder if I'm just too close and I can't see the forest and the trees about what a Travis Shea mockery 2023 is going to be. It's set up to be that. Oh, and fun fact for those old heads like me who remember that commercial where the, I think somebody was at a podium and he said, it's a travesty. It's a sham. It's a, it's a mockery. It's a Travis Shea mockery. Little trivia. Who was the actor in that commercial? Bob Odenkirk. None other than Saul Goodman. Just a little bar trivia for your buddies, for your girls, whatever. Travis Shea mockery. Bob Odenkirk. When you look at the roster, it looks barren talent-wise, especially defensively. Even though you have Buda Baker there, you've got Zayvon Collins. Who knows about Isaiah Simmons? You look at the offensive side of the ball with Kyler Murray healthy. You have Kyler Murray. You have to add a couple pieces on the offensive line. You've got Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dorch, James Conner. Could be a lot worse. It really could be. Look around the NFL. Could be a lot worse. So I just can't stop thinking about, like, if they could guarantee that Kyler Murray was going to back, be back week four this year, would they have gone more all out? Or was the free agent group so weak that it just forced their hand to not do it? And you look at the draft, you're like, listen, they've got top picks in all the rounds. If you can hit on your first three picks, and it's like people, teams do it all the time. If you can hit on your first three picks and get a, you know, a, a a gem in the fifth or sixth round that may not be an impact this year, but you're seeing the trajectory. Oh yeah. 2024. That young man's going to pop. Everything shifts. Everything changes. This is something that we haven't experienced. Jonathan Gannon. So another thing that we haven't experienced is a head coach who has said anything. I'm tough on Cliff Kingsbury. I was. And I think I don't take back anything that I said. It is important to remind you as I'm talking about this, that never anything that I've said about Cliff Kingsbury or Steve Kime was directly triggered at them as people at all, ever. It was about the avatar that was the head coach and general manager of the Arizona Cardinals. It's a very in important distinction that I need to clarify once every couple months. I do it. I don't necessarily need to, but I want to because I know that these people are human beings and I know that they know when things aren't going well. So when I'm riding Cliff Kingsbury, it's not ever a direct attack at the person ever. People say on Twitter, oh, you hate him. I don't. I think he's doing a terrible job at his job as the avatar of the Arizona Cardinals head coach, but it's never direct attack at the person. So when I say that Cliff Kingsbury was the worst interview I've ever heard for four years because he never said anything, Besides, yeah, we got to look at the tape. Yeah, we have to be better. Yeah, we have to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but that's all we heard from him for four years. I take responsibility for that. I take responsibility. There's only so much you can do until you actually have to put things into action. 
And it almost made him look worse that he was watching film so much. And, you know, a workaholic and always at the facility because things didn't work out. So what the hell were you doing for that long? But Jonathan Gannon talked about a couple things. Isaiah Simmons, Kyler Murray's progress, DeAndre Hopkins, and Michael Bidwell, you know, talking just about how Michael Bidwell's done a good job just elevating what the Cardinals organization is going to look like. He said, paraphrasing, that they've made strides this offseason. Big moves. Because even though it doesn't look like it roster-wise, I've said this a lot and I'm going to continue to say it. This is a very rope-a-dopey setup for 2024. Even if Kyler Murray comes back in week seven, they go down, you know, they play, and he's not right. He's not all the way right. They can't force it in 2023. Is it a, quote, waste of a year? Buda Baker's contract? Yes. Isaiah, Isaiah Simmons' contract. Zayvon uh, Collins. The rookies, the second-year guys. It, it would be, it's going to be a, quote, unquote, potential throwaway year, which sucks because there's no such thing when it comes to human beings, employees, trying to earn paychecks who have incentives that they need to hit to make more money every year because not all money is guaranteed, obviously, in the NFL. So it's it's a conundrum where it's like it's not beneficial for the future of this team for them to have dumped as much money as possible into free agency this year. Just not. If Kyler Murray was healthy, we'd probably be talking about extending DeAndre Hopkins and things like that. But there's so much in flux that you need to look for strong even small steps forward. And what Michael Bidwell has done up until this point is everything he said he was going to do. Wide net, outside the outside the organization, did that. Gave more power to Monty Ossifort. And he's kind of like, what Michael Bidwell has done is exactly what he said he was going to do. So when somebody says they're going to change, you don't believe it. But once they start doing things little by little, you start to at least understand that they're making the effort to do it. Now, it's easy to say that when you're, it's a friend who is always late or who, you know, isn't reliable or things like that. This is the CEO of an organization, of a company. So it's not exactly the direct correlative between the two. But what he's done is put people in power that he thinks are going to be the best leaders of men in an effort to transition this organization from a laughingstock to a winning factory. So when Jonathan Gannon talks to the media and when he did his introductory press conference, and I think Barstool picked up this funny thing with where, you know, he made a weird, you know, hand motion with his arms and stuff. People made fun of him. He's shown more emotion and more human characteristics in six weeks than Cliff Kingsbury did in four years. And Cliff, by all accounts, nice guy. I interviewed him a couple times, like, nice dude. That's great. He was a terrible head coach for so many different reasons. And one of which was the bear essential of be a human being. And he wasn't. It's just, it's just, it's a breath of fresh air watching somebody else talk. And it's not like a Green Bay Packers thing where it's like, oh, we love Jordan Love because it's not Aaron Rodgers. That's not this. Jonathan Gannon has been surprisingly very light while serious. He's, he, he's a weird dude. 
And that's awesome. So am I. The greatest people are the weird ones to make funny jokes that say different things than just a robot. So we're starting to see little things come into place. And even though the roster hasn't been upgraded, that doesn't mean that the Arizona Cardinals aren't making progress for the future. And that's what needs to be remembered. Another huge component of the Arizona Cardinals' future is the draft four weeks away. Let's revisit possibilities for the Cardinals. Draft, trade back once, trade back twice. Let's discuss. Alex Clancy, Locked On Cardinals. Thanks for hanging out. You can follow me on Twitter, Clancy's Corner. If you'd like, please go like, subscribe, YouTube channel. Just search Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Subscribe, turn the notifications on so you can see my big dumb face whenever I release a new video. Committee have, I, I, for those that have been around for a while, thank you. Um, this is your first time listening. Thank you. I truly appreciate it. Hopefully tomorrow could be your next listen. I am gearing up for my big guest week. I'm not sure if I want to do it before or after the draft, but I have a pretty good Rolodex of some of the smartest people on the planet as it pertains to sports and football. And I'm very excited to get them back this offseason to just talk from national perspective, fresh eyes on the Arizona Cardinals, positive, negative, indifferent. The Arizona Cardinals are a fascinating case study, a fascinating organization. Even though it seems like a dumpster fire at times, like the Cardinal talent the Cardinals have had over the last decade is wild. If you just look at it, it's just, it's wild. And as we kind of usher in this new regime and the Arizona Cardinals 2.0, just fascinating to see where things can go. And it starts with the draft. I mean, free agency was punched upon. So when you look at the draft and they're drafting at three, I think that they need to trade back. Okay. I've said that. I'll continue to say that. Having said that, if they draft Will Anderson at three, it's a win-win. Okay. And the reason why I think they have to trade back just to refresh people's memories is they don't deserve to draft Will Anderson right now because they have so many other needs. I talked yesterday. Yesterday? I talked yesterday or two days ago about the Cardinals doubling up and drafting an edge rusher in the first and second round. And I've already gotten so much flack in the, in the comments. I just did that because the Cardinals don't have a strength on this roster. Maybe wide receiver, safety, but they don't have a strength. If they drafted two young edge rushers to couple them with in this 4-3 base, that's going to be their loose base with Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rallis. Having them tied with MyJ Sanders and Cam Thomas, that's a strength. It's a strength. And is it a dumb premise? Maybe. But do you want to talk about the same four names every single time? No. This is where you think outside the box here. I don't do things just to say them. I think that if they draft two edge rushers in the first two rounds, I think it would be a masterful move if that's their goal. To... Look for a strength on this team. Who do we want to rely upon? Which position group on defense is going to be the anchor? Edge rusher, boom, go get him. Steve Kahn didn't eat his vegetables. Drafting Isaiah Simmons, drafting Zayvon Collins, instead of drafting Tristan Wirfs and Greg Newsom, or, or, or I, I, you know, there were a bunch of different names instead of Zayvon Collins in 2020 and 2021, back to back. 
2022 instead of drafting Tyler Linderbaum because they had Rodney Hudson. They could have had an all-pro center for 15 years, traded for Hollywood Brown. Second round, instead of drafting an edge rusher, Drake, uh, Drake Jackson of USC was there, among others. Drafted a tight end, even though they had Zach Ertz. It's just like they have to unravel everything. And what they need to unravel and rebuild with is draft capital and high draft capital. The goal is for the Cardinals not to be drafting in the top 10 for the next decade, probably after this season, after 2024. And if they can trade back once or twice, like say they trade back to six, say the Lions want to move up and draft a quarterback, they probably don't because that's not not the situation now, unless, you know, who knows, crazy things happen the week before the draft. So they trade down to six, and then Tennessee wants to move up and draft a quarterback from 11 to six, and they can trade back and get more draft capital for next this season and next season, and the Cardinals can still get an offensive lineman or a corner at 11. It's like, why not? maximizing the third overall pick doesn't just need to say Anderson Jr. on the back. There is so much talent outside of quarterbacks, outside of Will Anderson in this draft. So when I do these segments, it's just like, keep an open mind. Will Anderson or bust, that's it. No questions about it. Why? Well, because they need... Well, how's the cornerback room? Well, it's not, but how's the offensive line? Yeah, but think outside. Weather's warm. Think outside the box. Think outside Will Anderson or Bust when the Cardinals have needs at literally all positions aside from quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, safety. Maybe running back. They need help with run block, run stuffing. They need help with pass rush. They need help at corner. They need help linebackers at coverage. They need help with so much that to think that it should just be Will Anderson or nothing else is a fool's errand. And I'm here to explain why in depth, like I just did. Alex Lindsay, Locked on Cardinals. I'll talk to you tomorrow.